Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. All right, today we're going to be in Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 from verse number 16. So the Bible says, NKJV is default. The Bible says this, that therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only of those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. I'll read that again. But also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. Who is the father of us all? As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced, fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. That was Romans 4 from verse 16 all the way to verse number 22. But let me just give a brief introduction to the series letters. I'm sure you're wondering, what is this about? So when you read the New Testament, all right, the New Testament of the Bible, you'll understand that the New Testament is broken down into historical books, into letters, what we call epistles, and into prophecy, which is the book of Revelation. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the book of Acts. Those are historical books because they have historical accounts of things that happened. Then you have the epistles, the letters, all right, which are you know, actual letters written by either Paul or James or Jude or John or Peter to either the body of Christ, either a specific church or either a specific individual. And then, of course, we have the book of Revelation, which is a compilation of prophecies that God had gave to, to John. And so, we want to spend some time in the letters. The reason why is because the letters were actually written to the believers, to the body of Christ. Whereas the, I'm not saying that, you know, it's, they're more important than the Gospels or than historical books because those were, you know, accounts, eyewitness accounts of things that happened or events that happened. But the letters were written to the church, usually to establish doctrine or as a situational ethics guide. All right, to fix a problem that was in the church. Usually, you would find the letter to the Corinthian church, for example, addressing specific issues in that church. You find the letter to the Galatian church or the church in Galatia addressing specific issues that were in that particular church. You will find a letter called Philemon or Philemon, depending on who you are, addressed to a guy who was named Philemon or Titus to Titus, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. So you have all these letters written to people or sometimes to an assembly of believers, sometimes to the broader body of Christ that contain doctrine and situational ethics. And so 
we want to spend time going through the letters of the Bible. And of course, we cannot do an in-depth study of every single book. Um, you know, the letters obviously start from 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Then you have Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You have 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon. You have Hebrews, you have James, you have 1 John, 2 and 3 John. You have Jude. And you have the books of Peter, First and Second Peter. So we're not going to be able to do a deep Bible study of every single book. But what we are going to do is, go, is touch on some of the meat of the different books, all right? And we're going to start out, obviously, in the book of Romans, because that's the very first letter. And the book of Romans is a letter written by Paul. Paul is the writer, not the author, the writer. The Holy Spirit is the author of all of Scripture, Paul is the writer here, and he's, write, he's writing to a particular church, a very influential church in Rome. This is a church that he'd never been before. So you can find that his tone is a little bit different. When he writes to churches that he founded or that he'd been before, and he had a bit more authority over them, he was a bit more forceful. But the book of Romans is a bit softer. His emotions are very level. And he is writing to this particular church. It's the most comprehensive letter that Paul writes to establish the doctrine of salvation by, you know, justification by faith. It is a theological masterpiece, really. Um, 16 chapters, well-written, well-structured. You know, like I said, his emotions are very level. He communicates exactly what he has in mind um, without getting into some of the more personal issues that you find in some of the other books. So it is considered a masterpiece, um, Paul's masterpiece. It is an amazing book, and we're going to try to touch on some of the contents of the book of Romans starting today, starting today. And so we read Romans chapter 4 from verse 16 to 22, talking about Abraham and whatnot. So if you backtrack a couple of weeks, we talked about the importance of your spiritual life the importance of your spiritual life. I said a number of things which I cannot recap, but I, one of the things I said for sure is that your spiritual life is your real life. I said that eventually your physical life would go in the direction of your spiritual life. I said that your, your physical life is a mirror of your spiritual life with a time lag. All right. Um, once your spiritual life starts to decline, your physical life would eventually follow. Your spiritual life is your real life because we are spiritual beings. And the Bible says that Humans can only give human life, but the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual life. John chapter 3 and verse number 6. And because your spiritual life is your real life, it becomes our priority. So let me build on that and touch on what we're talking about today, which is the faith of Abraham, part one. The faith of Abraham. That's our topic for today, part number one. Let's start by saying this, that in this spiritual life, which is your real life, you live by faith. You live by by faith. Four times in the Bible, in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4, Galatians 3 and verse 11, Hebrews 10 and verse 38, and of course, in the book of Romans 1 and 17, the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. We live. This spiritual life is a life that you live by faith. You know, the, I, I, so for example, you think about a car, um, the exterior of the car, think about that as your physical life. The engine of the car, which you cannot see, think about that as your spiritual life, all right? But the engine of the car needs something to go, which is called gas. And so think about faith as the gas that gets your spiritual life going. Your spiritual life is your real life, and you live by faith. It says that the just shall live by faith. And the word just there is someone who's justified, all right? And justification is exactly what happens when you give your heart to Jesus, 
when you say I'm saved, really salvation is a three-part experience. The first part is justification by faith. That's the only thing that happens the day you raise your hand in church or the day you come forward to the altar or the day you raise your hand in your house, your bathroom, wherever you were listening to the service or watching the service that day and made the decision for Christ. What happens is that you became justified, all right? You became justified. That's justification. But the second part of salvation is sanctification. That's a process and ultimately ends in glorification. So we are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved, all right? So the just, if you've ever given your heart to Jesus, you've made the decision for Christ, you have that spiritual life that we've been talking about. He says that that life, you live that life by faith. You don't live it any other way, the, the, the fuel for your engine is faith. Someone else said to me at some point that faith is a spiritual currency. Faith is a spiritual currency. It is faith that we use to transact our spiritual life. When you have no faith, you cannot transact. Just like when you have no money, you cannot show up at the grocery store. Faith is a spiritual currency. And the just shall live by faith. So you live by faith. Also, understand that the Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. So not only do you live by faith, you walk by faith. So when you think about your physical life, imagine everything that you do that has to do with walking. What does walking help you do? Walking helps you get from place to place. Walking helps you be functional as a person. Walking helps you to exercise. Walking helps you to move and to make progress. And so the Bible is saying that we walk in the Spirit by faith and not by sight. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 7, we walk by faith. So you can't make progress. You can't go from place to place. You can't be functional in the Spirit unless you do it by faith and not by sight. So we live by faith. We walk by faith. Faith is extremely important for us as Christians. It's our spiritual currency through which we transact. So the spiritual life is a life of faith, pretty much. You enter into it by faith, and you continue by faith. Because the Bible says that by faith you have been saved. All right? I mean, it is faith that gets you to the point of justification, which is the essence of Paul's conversation in the book of Romans. From verse 1, chapters 1 rather, chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4, he's talking about the fact that justification and salvation comes to us by faith and not by works. He's talking about Abraham and saying that Abraham believed God, as the Bible said, and it was counted to him as righteousness. He goes on to say that Abraham believes God before the law. Don't forget that Moses brought the law. So Abraham was already justified by faith before the law ever existed. So the law never justified anyone. It is faith that justifies. And that's one of the building blocks of the book of Romans that Paul was trying to get across to us. But why is faith why is faith the life of our spiritual existence? Why is it so important? So think about the, what the Bible says about faith. In Hebrews chapter 11 and 1, the Bible says that now faith is the substance of things that are hoped for, and it's the evidence of things that are not seen. It's the substance of things that you, as a child of God, hope for. It's the evidence of things that you, as a child of God, cannot see. Now, backtrack a little bit. Things hoped for and things that are not seen. So think about what's the hope of every believer? What's the hope of every Christian? What's your hope as a child of God? What's your ultimate hope? Your ultimate hope is that one day you get to see Jesus and be with Him. 
your hope is not to have a car. Your ultimate hope, rather, is not. A, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you hope to have a car someday and buy a house and all those other things. Have a wife, one wife, singular, and kids and anything. But your ultimate hope, ultimate hope, is that you get to be with Jesus eventually. That's the hope of every believer. So faith is therefore the substance of that hope. Faith is the substance of our ultimate desire, which is that we get to see Jesus, which is that we get to spend life with him, which is, the, you know, John three sixteen. whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So faith is the substance of that hope and the evidence of things that are not seen. So <laughs> your spiritual life is not seen. You cannot see your spiritual life with your physical eyes. It is unseen. And I said to us that the unseen world is very real. So what translates, what connects, what transfers, okay, and bridges the gap between that unseen life that you have, which is your very real life, and your physical existence is faith. That's why faith is the life of our spiritual existence. So pressing on further, I'll let you understand that there are different possibilities with faith. Very different possibilities. I can't touch on all of them, but I'll read a couple of verses of the Bible to you that allow us to see some, some of the possibilities of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, from verse 32, the book of Hebrews chapter 11, by the way, talks about faith from beginning to the end. It's an amazing chapter of the Bible that you need to study and get very familiar with. But I want to just be in 32 to 34 to establish a point. We're talking about the different things that faith can help you achieve. What are the different possibilities with faith? It says this, What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets. Now, what are the possibilities of faith? Who, through faith, what did they do? They subdued kingdoms. What did they do? They worked righteousness. What did they do? They obtained promises. What did they do? They stopped the mouths of lions. What did they do? They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. And out of weakness, they were made strong. They became valiant in battle. And they turned to flight the armies of the aliens. These are some of the possibilities of faith. Faith helps you subdue kingdoms. Faith helps you work righteousness. It helps you to obtain promises. It helps you stop the mouth of lions. It helps you quench the violence of fire. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 that through faith, that there is the shield of faith through which we quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. That's what faith does. Through faith, they escaped the edge of the sword. They escaped, you know, danger. Out of weakness, they were made strong. I love that one. Out of weakness, they were made strong through faith. And they became valiant in battle. They turned to flight the armies of the aliens. There are different possibilities with faith. Faith is very vast. Very vast. Because your spiritual life is very vast. Everything that you want to obtain spiritually, you will transact by faith. You will transact by faith. And so that's one of the reasons why, because faith is so vast and there are different possibilities with faith, faith is very specific. Faith is not general. There is a different faith for prosperity. There's a different faith for healing. The same spirit, but there's a different faith for progress. There's a different faith for victory in battle. 
There's a different faith for your career or your academics. There's a different faith for anything that you desire spiritually. There is a specific dimension of faith for that. There is no general faith. There is no generic faith. All right? And that's why you find people, and I've met people who have very intense faith for healing, but they don't have any faith for prosperity. Whenever they're broke, they start panicking. Whenever someone is sick, they're the first people to say, let's pray. So you're wondering, how is this person so strong in faith? For this one area, yet so lacking in faith in this one area, is because faith is specific. All right? You see someone who has all the faith in the world for prosperity, has no faith for deliverance. Every time they feel like they're attacked by the enemy, they start running up and down. But the same person, whenever they're broke, they have no problem believing that God is going to provide because they have a faith for, they have faith for a specific area and not the other area. Some people have faith for deliverance. They don't have faith for provision. Some people have, this is interesting, some people actually have the faith to be saved, don't have the faith to receive the Holy Spirit. That's the reason why not every Christian speaks in tongues. The reason why is because we all have at some point had the faith for salvation. We're saved, but not everyone has the faith to receive the Holy Spirit. Faith is very specific. It's very, I've seen anointed people who lay hands on the sick and the sick are healed, but they're very poor. Why? They have faith in one area, don't have faith in the other area. Faith is vast very vast, and there are different possibilities that exist with faith. Why? Why? Because faith is based on revelation, and if you don't have revelation in a particular area, you can never have faith in that area. Faith is based on insights, on, you know, spirit-infused revelation. So if you have revelation for healing, you'll be the first person to say, let's pray for the sick. But if you don't have revelation for prosperity, you'll be the person who's panicking whenever your account starts to go down. Because faith is based on revelation. It is specific. And that's why as a child of God, your, your walk with God has to be progressive because you start to gain more insight and strengthen all the areas of faith you know, of your life where you're weak in faith so that you can live the spiritual life. Faith is a spiritual currency. So think about it this way. If you go to Japan, for example, and all you have is U.S. dollars, you are as good as broke because they don't, they don't accept that, all right? Or you go to, you know, another country and you've brought the currency of your home country. It doesn't make any sense. So while you have faith for healing, you are broke when it comes to faith for prosperity. You're, you're talking about a different sphere, a different application of faith. And that's why you need to build your faith. The just shall live by faith, will walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is the essence. It's the transactional material of your spiritual life. And faith is very vast, has different possibilities. Some people subdued kingdoms. Some people worked righteousness. Some people obtained promises. Some people stopped the mouths of lions. Some people quenched the violence of fire by Faith by faith. So there is no singular revelation of God that gives you all the faith that you need. None. You have to build faith for all the different buckets of your life. If you feel like you need faith in an area, you invest time building your knowledge in that area. Let God breathe the revelation in your heart, and then you can have and exercise faith in that area of your life. Can you help me tell someone there is no specific faith? You can write that in the chat section. Faith, okay, there is no general faith. I'm sorry. Faith is specific. Faith is specific. Faith is specific. If they don't listen to me, they might believe in you and they might listen to you. And so when you find God, this is God. I want to base this on scripture. In Exodus chapter 6 and verse number 2 and 3, 
God is talking to a guy called Moses, and God says to Moses, God is speaking. He says to Moses that, I am Yahweh the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But, but I did not reveal my name Yahweh to them. So God is saying to Moses that the revelation I gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the Almighty. That's the side, the part of me that they saw. But I did not reveal myself as a covenant God to them, even though Abraham had a covenant with God. The Bible says in Genesis 17 and verse 1 that God said to Abraham, I am the Almighty. I am the El Shaddai. That's my revelation to you. Walk before me and be perfect. So he did not tell Abraham, I am the covenant-keeping God, which is the revelation that God gave to Moses. So faith is very specific because there are different revelations of God. There are different aspects of God that you might need to know in different seasons of your life. And so God said to Moses, you, you Moses, because you are the person who has been tasked with bringing the children of Israel into the promised land, into the promised land, you have to have a revelation of me as a covenant-keeping God. Otherwise, you would fail. The Almighty is not enough. You need the revelation of me as Yahweh, a God that keeps covenants. And so Moses had the faith, the faith to believe God and his covenant promises. Very important. It's the same example when you, you find in the book of Daniel chapter 6, no, Daniel chapter 3, the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the Bible says of these guys that when they came in contact with Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, I'm giving you one more chance. If you do not bow down right now at the sound of the horn or the instrument to my golden image, I'm going to throw you into the fiery, the fiery furnace. And the Bible says this in Daniel 3 and verse 17, that they respond to Nebuchadnezzar. And they're like, oh, Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, Nebu, 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 Nebu. We are not careful to answer you in this matter. Now look at the revelation that they had. The Bible says that for the God that we serve, he is able to deliver us. They understood that God was able to deliver them from the fire. And not only that he is able and he will deliver us. That was revelation. And so by faith, they quenched the violence of fire because they had a revelation in that area. You could have taken any other child of Israel, or, I mean, you know, at that time, that didn't have that same revelation. And they could easily have been killed because they had a very specific, their revelation was specific. Our God, whom we serve is able. You have to know something about God for you to have faith. You know, he's able to deliver us from the burning furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. That was their revelation. And so because of that, they were able to see a manifestation of that specific dimension of faith, which is the faith that brings deliverance, the, the faith that brings about deliverance from oppression of the enemy. Our God is able. Our God, he is able. What do you know about God? What do you know about God? If you're looking to God for a job or something in this season, do you have faith? Do you, are you assuming that you have faith for a job? Or do you know that you have faith? Because if there is no revelation on which your faith stands, that is not faith. It's wish. It's a wishful thing or wishful thought. You're wishful thinking. 
faith is always based on revelation, on revelation. So any area of your life that you need faith, assess that area. Do you have the right revelation for it? So let me talk about the faith of Abraham because that's where I was really going. The faith of Abraham. Ooh. The faith of Abraham is a faith that obtains promises. I'll say that again so that our friends watching from Mexico can hear me. The faith of Abraham, because I said that faith has different manifestations and they're different dimensions. The faith of Abraham, though, is the faith that obtains promises. In the text that we read in the book of Romans chapter 4 from verse number 16, it says, Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise, promise, promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. The faith of Abraham is a faith that obtains promises. Obtains promises. Listen, this is extremely important for you and I because we live in an economy of promises. Our entire existence as Christians, okay, rests on the promises of God. And so we need the faith of Abraham so that we can apprehend the things that God has promised us. The faith of Abraham is a faith that obtains promises. Some people had a faith that quenched violence of fire. Some people had a faith that helped them to raise their dead to life. Some people to escape the edge of the sword. But the faith of Abraham was a faith that obtains promises. We function in an economy of promises. We function in an economy of promises. And so we need the faith of Abraham. The Bible says that we should imitate those. Hebrews 6 and verse 12. Imitate those people who through faith and patience have obtained the promise. Are you going to obtain your promises? You need the faith of Abraham. But you have to understand something. That what has God promised you? What has God said to you? What has God asked of you? Or what has God given? Understand something, by the way, that because God is a covenant God and because of his faithfulness, every promise of God is by extension a covenant. The only difference is that when God gives a covenant, specifically a covenant, there is a token associated with a covenant, which is your responsibility to that covenant. So, for example, he makes a covenant with Abraham and he says to him, the, the token of this covenant is that on the eighth day of every, of, of, of every child that's been born, they will need to be circumcised. That's the token of the covenant. But when God gives a promise, there is no token attached to the promise. It's just, I will do this. I will do that. No token. But because God is faithful and he's a covenant God, when he gives a promise, it's as good as a covenant. The only token of a promise is faith. It's faith. So whenever you're trusting God for something, when you're in seasons of your life where you need God to show up, you need God concerning a specific issue in your life, and you start praying about that issue, let me advise you that the first half of your prayers, the first, <laughs> the first stage of your prayers for something you're trusting God for is to obtain a promise from God. 
you just you're praying about something. Let's assume you're trusting God for, um, I don't know, let's say a job. All right, you're praying maybe for a better job, and you're praying about it, and you're praying about it. I'm I'm telling you that until you get a promise from God. All right, you don't have anything to go on just yet. And I'm not talking about just a promise, a vague promise. I mean, until God starts to speak to you concerning that situation, then you have faith, okay, to obtain a promise. Because you don't have the faith of Abraham if you don't even have a promise to begin with. The only reason why Abraham's faith was able to obtain promises was because he had promises. The faith of Abraham obtains promises. Obtains promises. So hold on to God until you hear a promise. Hold on to God until you get something from Him. Hold on to God until you're able to have something that you can hold on to and say, but God, you promised me this. Because that is exactly what Abraham had. The faith of Abraham helps you to obtain promises. I want to read Romans 4, 16 to 21 in another translation. It says that he never stopped believing. This is the Passion Translation, by the way. He never stopped believing God's promise. You had to have had a promise first. For he was made strong in faith to father a child. And because he was mighty in faith, And convinced that God had all the power. Don't forget, he had the revelation of God as an El Shaddai God, as an almighty God. Needed to fulfill his promises. The Bible says that Abraham glorified God. The promise, the promise again, depends on faith so that it can be experienced as a grace gift. And now it extends to all descendants of Abraham. This promise... It's not only meant for those who obey the law, but also to those who enter into the faith of Abraham, the father of us all. That's what the scripture means when it says, I have made you the father of many nations. He is our example and father. Now pay attention because the verses I'm about to read, they preach a someone by themselves. Pay attention. Let your spirit be attentive to what I'm about to say. It says, for in God's presence, he believed that God can raise the dead. That's where it starts. God can. Not only that, I know that God can call into being things that don't even exist yet. Against all odds, when it looked hopeless, contrary to hope, in hope, this is how you obtain promises because your promises will be tested. When it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise. So first, he had an understanding of the God of the promise. Number two, he believed the promise and he expected that God would fulfill the promise. He took God at his word. That's the faith of Abraham. And the result was that he became the father of many nations. God's declaration over him came to pass. Your descendants will be so many that they will be impossible to count. In spite of being nearly 100 years old, when the promise of having a son was made, his faith was so strong, was so strong that it could not be undermined by the fact that he and Sarah were incapable of conceiving a child. His faith was so strong that it could not be undermined by the facts. Now, there's a difference between fact and truth. His faith was so strong that it could not be undermined by the facts. You need to understand that your faith has to be strong enough that the facts don't shake it. All right, another translation says that Abraham did not waver at the promise of God. 
of believing contrary to hope in the middle of a hopeless situation the only hope that he had was the promise that he had from god you need a faith that obtains promises because ours is an economy of promises anything you're trusting the lord for in the season you need to wait on god until you get a promise and this is how life works i remember like if i'm going to minister maybe a particular service um maybe it's a special service a healing service or something and i'm praying i'm praying i'm praying i'm praying 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 spending hours laboring in prayer the first thing i'm looking for is for god to give me an assurance that he would show up once he says to me i would come then the rest of my prayer is god you said you would come show up you said you would come show up and that's what abraham was doing all the while when he left his father's house God just gave him a broad promise. I'll make you um, a father of many nations. But God was not specific enough until much later, God said to him, I will give you a child. And then he tells God, okay, I, all the while I just assumed you were talking in metaphors, God. Then he tells the Lord, um, I'm sorry, how? How would this happen? Do you not understand how biology works? I'm past that age. And God says, no, I'll give you a child. So the first time God talks to Abraham about this, he assumes, well, if it's me, maybe God has given me a miracle. He, you know, goes on, has a baby with, a, you know, his wife's maid, Hagar. And God says, no, that's not what I was talking about. I would give you and Sarah a child. And he goes, but how? But how? You need to hold on to God by, you know, praying, holding on to God until you have a specific promise. Because until you have that, you cannot have the promise, I mean, the, the faith of Abraham. The faith of Abraham is a faith that obtains promises that obtains promises our economy is an economy of promises and without the faith of abraham you would have many unfulfilled promises in your life and that's probably what many people have when you were growing up a prophet came to your house and said oh this child is going to be a very very special child and now your life is the opposite of special actually it's actually special but for all the negative things there is a faith that helps you to obtain promises it is the faith of abraham he stayed with god until he had a clear promise and not after he had a promise he stayed with the promise until it became a reality the bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word so when you read your bible this is one thing i'm going to leave you with today you read until you hear you read until you hear if you haven't heard don't stop don't stop. You read, you meditate until you hear. Because the moment God commits himself by giving you a promise, half of the job is done. The rest of it then is to be like Abraham, who the Bible says that he did not waver. He did not waver at the promise. Knowing that he that promised was able to perform what he has promised. And so my prayer for you, is that from today, as you start to hold on to God concerning any issues of your life, you will obtain a promise from Him first. And after that, God will give you the staying power because the promise will be tested. The staying power to stay until the promise becomes actualized. And that's why He gives you the Holy Spirit. Because one of the things that the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer is that He speaks to you, the Word of God. The Holy Spirit gives you an assurance that God is going to hear you on a matter. And because he gives you that assurance, you have that promise that you can keep holding on to until the reality starts to manifest in your life. Understand though, the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. The just, Romans 1.17, shall live by faith. 
the first step of faith you would ever take is the one that gets you justified with God. It's giving your heart to Jesus. The decision, the decision, okay, to put your faith in Him and in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Because that's the entry point. That's the door. After that, you live a life of faith. But you cannot jump. Okay, you cannot skip that part. It's the just that lives by faith. So you cannot try to live by faith if you're not just. And justification is not by works. It is by the faith that you put in the work of Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you wherever you are right now, today. Some of you might have been in church for years. You might even be serving in church. You might be watching me from any country right now. I want, to, I want you to make a decision to put your faith in Jesus. Because the Bible says that righteousness is imputed into us by the faith that we commit to Jesus, not by our works. Believe that he came to the world, that he died for you, and that he has paid the price for your sins. That he has paid the price for your sins. Wherever you are right now, make that decision in your heart. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.